0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Fell to Rushing, and this is a gardening program, but we're going to sort of talk about garden stuff for the next little while, if you've got some questions about your, your landscape or your trees or shrubs or lawns or vegetables or herbs or uh, anything, potted plants, whatever you want to, if you've got some questions, some concerns, some things to share, give us a call. It's toll free one eight seven mpb ring And um, I spent this past week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, gussing my garden up, getting ready for winter you know, uh, did a little bit of weeding, pile some stuff. Um, I I don't have a compost pile. I got a leaf pile and I pour everything on it and call it a compost pile. Um, Straightened mulch things up, planted some things for winter, some hardy flowers and, and, uh, and annuals and foliage plants for wintertime in my flower beds. And so this past week, I just mostly knocked around the yard, picking up stuff off the ground and Hot gluing it together and throwing some glitter on it and uh, making little holiday ornaments and and that got me to thinking the the king of making stuff out of stuff is my friend Rick Griffin, landscape architect from Jackson, who is absolutely the most creative landscape architect, the creative gardener that I've ever met. And Rick got him in the studio this morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Had, hadn't been here for a while. I know. Well, it's been uh it's been a crazy year. Been a crazy it's been year. A
2: real crazy year.
1: I know a lot of a lot of your clients, you do um big stuff, but you do a lot of intimate things. You'll take a big garden and turn it into smaller, uh, smaller rooms. rooms.
2: That's that's my I guess that's my my main thing is to te- teach people to divide it up instead of having one big thing that they feel like they've gotta finish in a year.
1: Yeah, like the front the you know, the, the uh the living room where you have to take the plastic covers off the, the, the couch because the preacher's coming in. <laughs> right. And that's what people see from the street, but you can you say that people can have their little garden den and put their socks up they put their feet up on the table anywhere in the yard. That's right. <clears throat> Just divide it up into spaces. And uh, I know that more and more people, of course, everybody's staying at home these days, not as much travel. And as I walk around, I'm seeing more people with fire pits, even on their driveways and all over the place. People are sitting out in their yard. Their chairs are all spaced out. But I've seen more people sitting out in their front yards just to, to say hey to people because That's we,
2: you know. Big trend bu- now is. Outdoor spaces in the front yard and yeah. not in the back, just so they can talk to their neighbors when yeah. they go by,
1: and there a lot of people walking and all. But uh, people are, are decorating. They're, 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 you know, we've always done you know Halloween and Fourth of July and being Christmas, always real big with lights and all. But people are being creative with their door wreaths.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> door. That, that they're they're really fun, crazy stuff. And and I. Encourage everybody instead of going and buying the plastic stuff, make it yourself.
1: Well, oh, you've done that even at your church. You used to make a huge. How tall was that that flat tree wall that that used to do at your church?
2: Uh, I don't remember, but it was at least fifteen foot tall.
1: Yeah, made out of magnolia branches, cut in. And, and, uh, and, but now you've been doing a giant wreath lately.
2: Yeah, I, Changed to the wreath as I got older. I can get it up there better.
1: (laughs) Well, and plus, you don't have to waste a whole magnolia tree like you did the other one. Well, it's been
2: funny. I always ask. I put it out. I ask people. You gave me one one time. Yeah. But— Always have the magnolias. Now, this year, I've got the magnolia
1: tree. It's just no place to put it. Yeah, but that, not, you can't do much at the church here no. right now. Not many people doing it. And you've always worked with the, the children from the church making ornaments and stuff. Well, that's
2: my been my life is my youth in my church. Yeah. And those youth now are all grown up, either in college or married, and they still come back. They're just like my kids. Well,
1: and they'll be doing their kids, too. But, listen, I got—I I made some ornaments. You made some ornaments. We'll get to talk about those. But it's a gardening program, and uh, folks are going to have questions. And we're going to start out up in the middle of the Delta in Inverness. Hey, Johnny, how are you this morning? I'm doing
3: good. You?
1: So far, so good.
0: Okay, that's great. Yeah, I'm having a problem. I have St.
2: Augustine grass, and I'm having a problem with what I've looked at, what— it's commonly called creeping
1: Charlie. Yeah, you got a shady yard too, I bet,
0: yeah, sir.
1: Yeah, I bet it's shady too, ain't it?
0: Uh, it used to be, but I've had a, a large pecan tree
3: cut
1: yeah. down.
2: I'm planning on having another pecan tree cut down because they're just not really producing. Yeah, and they're, eat, uh, they're ate up by poison oak. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> well, listen. The the stuff that a lot of people call creeping Charlie is uh, it's also called. Um, not money ward. um I'm just drawing a t- total blank. Anyway, it's a, it's a real common plant that used to be what people used for lawns before we started using St. Augustine just over a century ago. I mean, really. That's what my great-grandmother up in Indianola had is a lawn. And it grows flat on the ground. You know, it's got those little round scallop leaves. Yes, sir. And it grows really, really well in the shade, which means it's going to be hard to get rid of in your Saint Augustine because it'll grow beneath the Saint Augustine. And unfortunately, what will kill it will kill your Saint Augustine. So you know, this is uh, by the way, one of the old folk names for because it looked like fish gills, it was called Gill over the ground. <laughs> but so it's, uh, it's weird. Okay. But uh, you, yeah. know, you know, you know, when your motor's it, got that kind of a spicy uh, uh, smell to it. Yes, sir. Uh my advice is you can kill it, but you're going to have to use a lot of weed killers next year, next, you know, uh, May, June when it's warm. Weed killers don't work in the winter wintertime, um, but you're going to have to, uh, uh, not not these kind. Uh, you're going to have to raise your mower up to the highest setting and then use two or three sprays uh, uh, a couple of weeks apart rather than one big one, which will take out your grass. In other words, you got to sort of layer it on, sort of like chemotherapy. And, okay. and, it can be, and it'll be and it be back. So my honest advice as a turf guy, as a landscape guy, as a person who was, was raised with this kind of stuff, who sees it all the time, is uh, just raise your mower up, enjoy your grass, and it'll be sort of like an underlying fabric to, uh, to your grass. It's not hurting anything, not competing with it. And if it's showing up more than your grass, it tells me you're mowing too close. But, but in other words, raise your mower and let them get along.
2: Okay, well, that sounds... About all I can do, and I sure do appreciate you. It, I, appreciate, I appreciate
1: your show. It, it really uh, is really is good advice. So good, good luck on it. All right, thank you, sir. You bet, Rick. You know he's talking about this creeping mm-hmm. Jenny, and uh, you know you see a lot of landscapes where they want to have a perfect lawn, and right? It just ain't happening. What it takes to have a perfect lawn is sometimes is more than daunting.
2: Well. That's why I like St. Augustine so much, is because all those things can mix with it well. Yeah. And when you have, you know, a fine blade grass like Bermuda, it shows up every weed. Yeah. But when I use my St. Augustine, I, don't, I let anything that's green grow.
1: Yeah. So, sort of like you don't have Easter eggs in an Easter egg basket, you have them on a bed of fake plastic grass. Right. The two look better together. Yes. <laughs> Um, be- before we get to some of these ornaments, and I'm real curious about what it's got all C's in it, we're going to go over to Me- down to Meadville and talk with Linda. Good morning, Linda. Thank you for calling.
0: Good morning. How are you?
1: So far so good. How about you?
0: Doing fine. Uh, I have a question. I have a red maple that I had gotten from my aunt up in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And I had put it in a pot because it was just a little, little sap, you know. And now it's like two foot tall in my pot.
3: Mm-hmm
1: okay where do i where's the
2: best place to plant a red maple who Rick is this a japanese red yeah. leaf? is
1: it one of the real pretty red leaves or is it just a big old maple tree with red maple It's just a red maple
0: it's just it' a be yeah. a tree and it's got pretty red leaves in the
1: fall yeah that's that's our native and actually they grow in low wet areas you yeah. see the, you know, it's yes. one of the few plants that'll take uh kind of a, a low where where it's too low. Uh, You know, to grow other stuff.
2: And they're great proportion to your house. A lot of times when people plant sycamore trees and in some of the big oak trees, they're just so out of scale. But that maple tree is more in scale, more of an umbrella shape for your front yard or your back patio.
0: Right.
2: Pretty
1: much, pretty much any place.
0: Because I live kind of up in the woods, up on a ridge. We live in the woods, and it's kind of mostly shade there, but I do have some sun. So I was just one particular, you know, and we do have sycamores around there, a lot of oaks and stuff, but uh, I, had, I wanted a red maple, so I brought one home. With
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to have better color if it gets some sun. Okay. But the problem uh, is, it's going to eat up what little sun you got. So, you know, you next time I, I hear from I you, see. it should be about what grows well in the shade. Gotcha. It, it'll, well, yeah. it'll have better color where it gets a lot of sun, and it will tolerate if you got an ear that's kind of low and wet anywhere in your right. yard. It'll do fine there. Okay.
0: Well, tell me this: can you can you recommend a pretty colored tree for the shade?
1: Japanese blood leaf. Yeah the the uh, the the dwarf the the Japanese dwarf Japanese maples. Okay. actually They actually do. I think in the south, I think they do better in the shade. The further north you go, up in Canada, the ground full sun. Here, uh, mine is just knocked out, gorgeous right now, and they it gets are. maybe an hour sun a day. Okay,
0: good. Well, then I'll get me some of them. Okay, well just case.
1: keep just keep in mind, there's lots of different kinds. Some have real red leaves, uh, you know, all year. Some have got green that turn brilliant red this time of year. As mine does, they've got some with tiny little leaves. Some with uh, there's a lot of different kinds of Japanese. Maples, one, one called Bloodleaf, have got red foliage all the time. Uh
0: huh. Okay. Do, do What's look, the name do, of that one again?
1: Bloodleaf, Japanese maple. because okay. it is blood red.
0: Okay. Thank you very much. I uh, appreciate you, and thank you for your show.
1: You bet, Rick. That's some some, some good questions. Uh, plants for the shade it because is. you know you've you where where you live now. Start out sunny, and now it's all shade. <laughs> it's all shade. And do, as a as a, a gardener. Does a landscape architect get irritated that what you plan changes and then you have to adapt and change as a gardener? No, it's just like my
2: daughter's an interior designer, and about every 10 years, everyone wants to redo their. Their house. So I'm the same way with my yard. I like to change it around.
1: So plants aren't static. No, Landscape. The the design can be static. The sitting areas, the the walkways, the functional things. But the plants are, you know, just holiday things that they, they are. Get.
2: And they again they change with with the sun. If it yeah. gets like my yard, I'm having to thin out, thin out, thin yeah. out, and having fun taking the shrubs that used to be shrubs and making them small trees
1: okay well we need to take a real quick break we got a couple of callers on the line but um folks you're listening to the gestalt garden it's a presentation of mississippi public broadcasting And uh, my guest is Rick Griffin. We're going to be talking about holiday decorations that really is year-round decorations. It doesn't have to be holiday. But this is a a time of year where you may have kids or grandkids or neighborhood kids. This would be fun to set up a card table out in the front yard and have a scavenger hunt and get some glue and some glitter and have fun. We're going to take a real quick break and come back with the Gestalt Garden here on MPB right after this.
3: This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org.
0: And thanks.
1: Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Fell Rushing, my guest, uh, Rick Griffin. And uh, before we get back into that kind of stuff, let's talk with Hubert, who's been hanging on from Jackson. Thank you, sir. How are you?
3: Oh, I'm fine today. to have you.
1: So far, so good, man. What's up?
3: Oh uh, yeah, I just had a question. I don't know if you answered that already. Uh, but at, at, at what height should I cut my grass in the summer for weed control?
1: And uh, what kind of grass you got? You know, just grass. Uh, I mean, I got it,
3: a, a Bermuda, Bermuda.
1: okay, Bermuda grass is one of the few grasses that really likes to be cut kind of low. It likes to be cut regular, but the problem is the lower you go, the more sunshine gets down there, the more weeds you're going to have, which means you've got to do some spraying. See, so Bermuda is not a low-maintenance grass. Uh, I would say on Bermuda grass, I would mow it about a medium setting. St. Augustine and Centipede, I'd mow high. That way it shades out a lot of the weeds and it grows stronger. But Bermuda grass grows best when it's cut a little bit lower, so I'd say about a medium height. But you're going to need to be prepared every now and then to either spray for weeds or just look at the weeds as a little decorative decorations out there, because they're really, really uh, a lot easier to enjoy than the article.
3: Okay, is that like about two inches, two and a half
1: inches? Yeah, you know, your, your mower setting, I, I'd put it on the next or lowest setting.
3: Oh, okay. All right. I appreciate that. Good <laughs>
1: luck on it. Okay. You know, Rick, there's a, there's a philosophical thing. Some people want everything to be just right. Mm-hmm. It's in them. It's that kind of person. Some people are just, whoo! Just whatever, and the truth is, in the, the in the garden the landscape is a woohoo. It wants to change and grow, and stuff coming up. And if you need to have control, you got to really work at it. It's not easy
2: unless you do like mine or yours and just leave it alone and let it be natural.
1: Mow what grows.
2: Yeah, and. and People will come over to my house and say, oh, that's such a pretty plant. What is it? And I, I don't know. It's a weed that came it's, up, and I thought it was pretty. There's a little fern that started coming up all over my yard, Yeah, and it stays about an inch tall, mm-hmm.
1: real lime green. And, man,
2: I've just been promoting it because it looks so good.
1: But now some of your neighbors have companies who want, who try to have it meticulously maintained. Oh, and, yes. And that, that's that's important value to some people. It's just really hard to do.
2: It's really, but people enjoy it. My next-door neighbor just loves, he works in his yard till 9 and 10 o'clock every night, mm-hmm. 12 months out of the year. He loves to trim his shrubs. He trims them every two weeks whether they need them or not, mm-hmm. winter and summer. He just, that's his obsession. He doesn't play golf or but, anything.
1: But that's what it takes. But that's, that's what, what it, it takes. takes. And
2: it's so much fun for me because I can stand out in my cul-de-sac and say, there are all kinds of designs. None of them are bad none of them are good. They're all just designs, just, and you have to decide what you want.
1: Personality of, yeah. of, the, of the garden. And if
2: you're a neat freak, understand you've got maintenance. Yeah. If you're like me and you like it
1: natural. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of paved areas. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, We got a gal named Ann. She's on the road. Hey, Ann, thank you for holding. How are you this morning? I'm
0: good, Belger. How
1: are you? So far, so good. What's up?
0: Well, I love red Japanese maple. But yeah. what is it in the ground that will suddenly kill
1: them? <laughs> Roots that don't like <laughs> it in Mississippi? I, well, I, I, so I, I mean,
0: I, to just give up
1: on <laughs> No, here's the deal. Uh, I, uh, Japanese maples are really bad about just suddenly browning out but it's because they've been struggling for a long time with root problems. They will not take heavy or wet soils at all, and they will not tolerate long dry spells like we have in our summertime. They do better further north. And I found after having some that just completely browned out suddenly, I found that if you'll plant them on top of the ground and you know work the dirt up really good and plant it sort of half in and half out of the ground and then pile dirt up to it like a low baseball pitcher mound, it's not so high it's going to dry out in the summer, but it's raised up to when in the wet spells, the roots, the upper roots can get a break. In dry spells, it still has deep roots. So, half in and half in, out of the ground with a, a mound three or four feet across and about four or five inches high in the middle. it got to have drainage okay. and a good soaking at least every month in the summer.
0: Okay, and what do I need to mix in
1: with my dirt? No, nothing. You know, if you got really bad clay dirt, you're going to you're gonna need to choose another plant. You're going to need to choose another plant.
0: <laughs> the one that I've got now is in a really big pot, and
3: I've had it
1: there for almost two years now. I'm scared to put it back in the ground. Well, you know, it... So many of them have died. Yeah, well, and not all that, but the one that's in a pot has got pot roots, some different kind of roots growing potting soil than growing dirt. So if you wanted to plant in the ground, I would work up the dirt you've got, uh, a, you know, a good shovel depth, and maybe add a little bit of bark or compost, just a little bit to it to, to fluff it up without overdoing it, and then when you pull the plant out of the pot, loosen up all the potting soil and spread the roots out, and mix that potting soil into your dirt, and then you'll have a natural little mound, but be sure to, to loosen up all those roots and all the potting soil, stir that potting soil in yours, and plant it a little on the high side. Okay. Well, and the, the next month or two is the best time for doing this, it'll, it'll get established before next year.
3: Okay, great. Thank you very much. Good
1: luck on it. Thank you. Plants die, Rick. <laughs> sometimes are like <laughs> real predictable. Uh, let me see. We're going to go to uh, to Cordova, Tennessee. Hey, Cindy, thank you for calling. Uh, good morning. Howdy. What's up?
0: I was uh, wanting to know if now is the time to cut back my butterfly bush, and if so, how far back.
1: Uh, well, you treat butterfly bush sort of like a big rose bush. You can cut it back pretty hard every winter. You know, you can cut it back to, to you know. In, in northern climates, they make small tree, big, big bushes. Uh, here, if you'll cut it back to you know, two, three, four feet or so tall, it'll sprout out and bloom on new growth next year.
0: And what about clematis? Kind um, of cut oh. them back now.
1: Oh boy, there's different. There's two different kinds. One that blooms right. on new, new stuff, and one on old stuff. Um, I, I,
0: well, I've got one big one that blooms on old stuff, but it's getting really, really scraggly. Yeah, so well, okay. th-
1: cut some of the stems back and leave some of the stems, and the next year, okay. reverse it. Okay. All right, thank you. Okay, good luck on it. All right. Whew, pruning, Rick, pruning. <laughs> so many pruning questions. No. And uh, let me see, let's, let's do another call because uh, that's what we're here for, Meridian. Bob's calling from Meridian. Hey there. How's it going, Felder? Fine, what's going on?
4: Well, I ordered some uh European night crawlers and I've got them in a bin uh, to do some composting. I'm wondering, will they survive in the uh, in the soil? Can I put them in my garden?
1: Uh, what a good question, but first of all, European night crawlers, most of what we have are from Europe, the great big night crawler type worms. Did you order these for compost or did you order them and you're just going to use them in a compost? Well, I What's it? You're, you're breaking up.
0: I'm sorry. I use I use smoke. I, I can
1: be used in the garden. Okay, We're, we we got a real bad connection here. Let me I, I tell you. What, I don't know why you're having a bad connection, but two things. First of all, you can email me about more information. But here's a scoop: the best worms for vermicomposting, for growing, you know, for, for fast stuff, are the red wigglers they go through organic matter real real fast they're the the most efficient little red wigglers and they multiply quickly but they won't survive outside in a normal winter so the the night crawlers the big worms they do great outdoors all the time but they don't do well in a box they don't you know they need they need to tunnel through real dirt and stuff so the red wigglers go through organic debris real fast regular night crawlers Eat, live in the dirt, and they come up and eat a little bit at night, and they dig down at the dirt. So there's really, you know, if it's a, just a regular night crawler, they'll do fine outside. If you're going, growing worms in a box for vermicompost, I'd go with the red wigglers. But uh, I'm going to do a little research and find out if there's a third kind of worm I just don't know about because it could be. Okay, we're going to talk to Susan. We're going to chat with Rick in just a a second, but uh, Susan's calling from Hernando. Hi, Susan.
3: Good morning, Felder. What's up? Well, I have a question about, um, I have been uh, fighting the Battle of Japanese Stiltgrass.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, me too, me too.
3: I understand it's an annual and it seeds itself prolifically. Is that correct? I
1: th- I, I think that mine comes back. I of course I'm you know, I'm further south, but you know you're talking about it's kind of a it it's it's a bunch grass, but it grows out and up like a like a frizzy hairdo.
3: Well, and what it does is it 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 gets it like it's in my ferns, and then it kind of buries the ferns. And my yeah. question is, I've heard about using this corn gluten to prevent seeds from germinating? Does that work on Japanese stiltgrass?
1: I don't know that it really works in real life at all.
3: <laughs> I mean,
1: I'm, I'm serious about this. I wish it did work well, but uh, unfortunately, it, it's, it's temporary and only works on some kinds. But uh, here's what you can do. If uh, I mean, i just pull mine. This is a plant, if you leave it alone, it spreads like crazy from seed. And, uh, and I just pull it up every time I see it. That's just part of my gardening life is pulling it up, dropping it upside down on the ground and walking away. Uh, there is a weed killer that will kill only grasses, won't kill any ferns or anything else, only grasses. But in your ferns and stuff, I think probably just, you know, once a year or every time you get around, just pull it. But there's not a really good preventive uh, pre-emerge herbicide for those kind of things that... that, that that's designed for using in ferns and stuff.
3: Well, my question, here's the problem. We have, like, an acre, and our neighbors aren't very good about... It's going to
1: be, you know, chemotherapy chemotherapy is never ending. Once you start, (laughs) you have to keep it up all the time. That's the booger bear. There's nothing, you know, you either do it all the time, or don't do it at all and find some other solution that's that's a real that's a gestalt approach that's the reason we call it the gestalt gardener you know if you can't fix it flee it or fight it flow with it and if your neighbors <laughs> aren't aren't taking care of it um, and you don't want to use chemicals you need to learn just pull as much as you can and and where there's a lot of weeds think about planting some other stuff yeah, well that's my mother's solution if when weeds got bad she found flowers and shrubs taller than the weeds
3: but then my other question is, we did plant something to uh, cover some banks, and uh, we planted um, this uh, liriope called uh, uh, lily, creeping lily. It's lily turf, right. Cicada. Okay. So we planted that so we wouldn't have to mow the banks. And then this very fine grass, yeah. it has very, Yeah, I think it's called spider grass or something like that. It's kind of a turf grass. Yeah. And it and it's gotten in there, and now it grows up through the spicata, and then it covers up the spicata. Yeah. Okay. How do I get rid of
1: that? Um, if it's a true grass, there is a weed killer that kills true grasses, and not monkey grass, lirio spicata, muscari, monkey grass, monogram This stuff only kills true grasses, and you know, and that's your best. Other than hand weeding, that's your you know. Rick, you know you've had monkey grass all your life and all your how do you keep how do you control weeds in it?
2: Well, I just learned to not plant it in the full sun. <laughs>
1: yeah, it it'll get because weeds it in the sun. it
2: gets weeds and it's just a constant constant maintenance problem.
1: And even uh, in the shade though, well, but in weeds.
2: in the shade it's it's easier. Yeah, and I don't use it
1: in big mass areas. Yeah. Because of the weeds. Because of the weeds. Okay, you're talking, uh, you're talking, Susan, to two c- horticulture landscape, forty plus year experienced guys who deal with this all the time, and I don't have a good solution.
3: Well, if, what what is the name of your chemical? My husband went out to weed it, and. First of all, they're, they're bees that have nested in the ground, and then he came back covered with something like chigger bites. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. what I was thinking about doing was uh, digging a, a trench to cut off the grass that I could keep weeded, you know, yeah. uh, and yeah. yeah. It yeah. Back away. But how do I get rid of the grass that's already in the spicata and then
1: if make you a, If you want to spray it, you need to wait till it's actively growing. We're talking about next spring. Next spring. The weed killers don't work well in the wintertime. So if it's something grows in the summer, you need to spray it in the summer. And there are several grass be gone is one brand name. But anyway, it's, it's for grass control. And uh, there's just several different brands. but there how is big no, is this area? Yeah, how big is the area?
3: It's about the uh, uh, it's about four feet by ten feet on oh. East, oh. the driveway.
1: Use, use your fingers. Pull it up. <laughs> send, him, send him back out. He's not done.
3: It's, well, it's a problem with the bees and the whatever attacked him.
1: A yeah, little. yeah, but, that, soon, but <laughs> now that we've had some cold weather, then our problem. Then oh, that could be a problem. And pull in, it in when the winter it's time.
2: wet, Yeah. when it's dry.
1: Yeah, have have to do it. Weeding as best you can in, in the, in the wintertime when the bees aren't active and the jiggers aren't so bad. And, and um you know, maybe we'll think about planting some kind of uh, shade, small shade, uh, evergreen shrub tree type thing that'll shade the area and you won't have so much of weed problems so anyway email me if you need some more information because we've just exhausted this one. Oh, okay thank <laughs> okay. you okay good luck on it rick i mean we we're gardeners you You're right you got to weed
2: well you got to weed if you want to have that look you know now i do have it i've got Dwarf, I've got, not dwarf monkey grass, just regular Mondo yeah. out front under my crape myrtles. And I want it to be all that, so I just have to pull the weeds. That's
1: what I do. I use my little fingers. But anyway, uh, we need to take a little bit of a break. I uh, wanted to play just a short, a little bit of a classic tune for this time of year, but also it's a classic tune for life in general. Uh, Forty years ago this past week, a couple, of three days ago, four years ago, uh, a great music icon uh, was killed. Uh, John Lennon, he would have been 80 years old this past week, and he's got a classic tune for people getting along. We're going to do that here in Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Uh, Me and Rick Griffin and Java Chapman and all the folks here at MPB, we're going to be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener and some holiday decoration ideas with some natural materials. Right after this, I hope y'all are having a safe, safe time because it is a weird world out there. I'm just glad we're gardeners, weeds and all. Weeds and all, that's <laughs> right. Happy Christmas, Kelka. Happy Christmas, Jimmy. So, so this, this is Christmas. Christmas. Channel. Welcome back, Horticulture's fellow Russian, Rick Griffin, landscape architect, and gardener extraordinaire. But uh, before we get into that, we are going to talk to Bill has been hanging on from Memphis. How are you, Bill? Thanks for holding.
4: Well, I'm doing great. I appreciate your show a lot. Hey. only problem is I didn't write down some things, like what was that stuff that uh, that herbicide that you use on the uh, – Monkey grass to get
1: the weeds out. Well, no, 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 no. It won't get the weeds out. It only kills grasses, true uh, grasses. Sorry. Yeah, and you know, and this is important because you know you get grass in your in your monkey grass, you get Bermuda grass in your in your irises, you know daylilies. This only kills true grasses, and there's several different brands. Reason I don't really get into it, but one is a, a Ortho product called Grass Be Gone. But there's others out there, and I just can't remember. I can't do them all justice, and, you know, we don't sell stuff anyway. But anyway, the main thing is it says for the control of grasses and broadleaf plants. It won't kill broadleaf stuff.
4: Okay. And the second thing is a week or two ago you were talking to a gentleman about raised beds and uh, building them to where they lasted for eternity just about, and – uh uh, that you gave them a, a formula for uh, soil compound to put in there.
1: Um, Usually I don't really get in that much detail because I've seen raised beds from Japan and Africa, South America, Europe, England, California, Mississippi. and I've been growing stuff, and no two people do it alike. The main thing is take the dirt that you've got, dig it up, and then add stuff to it like crackers and chili. And you can add a little bark because it's chunky and it lasts a long time. You can add compost or manure because it's creamy and and uh, plants can use it better. But I usually add... Some bark and either compost or manure to my native dirt. That's what I do.
4: Okay. All right. Well, I sure do appreciate it. All right. You man. have a very merry Christmas. Okay.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All
4: right. Bye
1: bye. Now, Rick. Last week, I brought in a, um, a an ornament. I don't. I don't even have it with me. It was a long, skinny okra pod painted with a Santa Claus face. That was made by a friend of mine named Shelly Batista. Shelley's a master gardener down in Crystal Springs. And while I was on the air, Andrea Robinson, uh, who's from from the Jackson area, I think she's from Florida. She sent me a picture of sweet gum balls that had. Toothpicks stuck in the little holes. I didn't. I I wasn't aware the sweet gum balls have holes in them. But that's where the seeds come out, like a salt and pepper shaker. She stuck toothpicks in it with a little glue, spray painted, and sprinkled glitter on. They look like. Well, they look like COVID nineteen viruses. What like they look like, <laughs> but they make the coolest but they are Christmas ornaments. Awesome. Yeah, you, you can use them full length like this one, which is which is big, or you can make a, break them in half. But sweet gum balls, toothpicks, a little paint and glitter, and that got me. It got me started with uh, a glue gun. <laughs> but you've been doing this forever. You have magnolia there. You've got pecans, loofah gourds, and you just paint them.
2: And paint them shells. I've, I Seashell. also the shells and seashells. When I go to the coast, I get them because we're always. What happens is in my store latitudes, we each year we make ornaments, mm-hmm. and everybody gets an ornament that comes in. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing that for twenty five years, so it's really stuff just junk that we make it out of. Yeah, newspapers
1: and, folded up like like little fans, but from the yard. I mean, yeah. you know, you're the king of picking stuff up and sticking them together with a glue gun and some paint. And that's
2: what that makes you feel good. It's creative, and it's different. And it has been just so much therapy for my kids uh, and my church. They just all come up and help me. Some of them are married and still come and help me. Well, yeah, these, these,
1: these pine cones look like you took pine cones and just sort of took some loppers and, and, and cut them where they're only— three or four layers thick they look like like stars or something yes they look like zinnias they
2: look just like zinnias and that's when i first did them i did them for my mother years ago for
1: for mother's day so you so you cut like the bottom just the bottom third or so right and now this year what i
2: did was i created a tree out of plywood And I stuck the whole thing in there, painted them blue and purple, and made hydrangeas out of them.
1: Uh, Out of the pine cones.
2: Out of the pine cones without cutting them. And that really turned out neat. And that's not a Christmas thing. That's
1: uh, all year. All year. Yeah, all year. Well, I've got, I took the Little Gem magnolias and uh, some Elmer's glue. And then I also, uh, here's something you and I have both done we make uh, gumdrop trees out of things with thorns on them. Yes. I spray painted mine. Uh, white, and I put green and and uh, and, and red gumdrops on it, and uh, this is a silly little thing. But my mother had one of those that we made when we were kids. I was going to say my
2: mother started me on that, and I just think every year I have to have a gumdrop tree because that's what my mother did.
1: Well, things like uh, little little acorns, sweet gum balls, seed pods, acorns. Uh, anything that you can pick up lichens I picked up pulls peel some lichens off a thing and hot glued them uh onto to a, a little wreath that I made and it looks like I bought it <laughs>
2: well, my favorite thing you did. Uh, twenty-five years ago, for me, is my guardian
1: angel. Guardian angel. angel, yeah. I just took a gourd and I cut some little slits on either side and made some some angel wings out of some some tin I cut. Yeah, took the wings in there corrugated
2: tin that yeah. you made mine, and it's about twice the size of that, and it's hung for twenty-five years in my kitchen. Yep, and I keep saying that's probably why I'm so
1: blessed. <laughs> it's because of my guardian angel. Guardian angel, it's just it's just something to do something to do. You know, for retirees, for folks who are at home, people with kids or grandkids, uh, you can set up a a, a a cardboard table, cover it with some some uh, newspaper or some wrapping paper, give them some glue and glitter, and, well, I'd take it out in the yard if you can do the glitter thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it out in the yard. I have gl- glitter in my underwear drawer, Rick, and I don't <laughs> know how it got there.
2: <laughs> well, when you, it's very embarrassing when you go places and and people will say, You've got glitter on your nose. Did you plan that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, me, just having some fun. Just having some fun. We're going to post a picture of these, by the way, on the on the uh, our podcast. We're going to take your stuff and my stuff and make a little picture and, and post it there if anybody wants to see some of these. But uh, anyway, it's it's just it, it made me feel better. Yeah. yeah, you know, sweet well, gum, sweet gum ball, spray painted silver and hung from a little branch.
2: I, I'm always amazed people will come in the store and they'll say, uh, I'm not a creative person, mm. and I laugh, and I, I that's no such thing.
1: No, a, a thing of, of glue and some glitter and antibodies, some paint, and, and a can of spray paint.
2: Then they'll say, well, it doesn't
1: look good when I do it. It looks good to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we got a couple of calls line, but before we do that, let me mention this. I got, I bought a glue gun. It's just like one time I rented a jackhammer at your recommendation. <laughs> my driveway was too small. You said jackhammer it, and they rented me a jackhammer, which you shouldn't do. You, you know, it shouldn't do. Gonna half killed myself. But the driveway well, you were was good. young then. Yeah. Well, I got my glue gun, and being a uh, naturally an idiot, I accidentally got some glue, hot glue, on my finger, uh-huh. and immediately stuck into my mouth, and it. welded itself to my top (laughs) lip and I pulled off that you know that little ball you get some people at the top of the lip Uh, and I haven't been able to drink coffee (laughs) because you can't drink coffee without putting the top of your lip in it so anyway note to self hot glue guns have molten glop coming out of the end of it and it will stick to your lip better than it will stick to pine cones (laughs) that's right and by the way all you're learning you're going to make a great granddaddy you know I, I, are you aware that I'm a grandfather as of this past Monday? No. Yeah, little AJ. AJ Rushing. Woohoo! Little girl. Congratulations. Yeah, little peanut. Her name is Alice Jean. And we're going to call her... Her mom's going to call her Allie. We can call her AJ because she's a southern gal. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, when mama's not looking, I'm going to mess that little girl up. <laughs> <laughs> Java's in there laughing, too. You know what it's like. Java, you ever do anything with the kids that you hope Mama doesn't find out about?
0: All the time, man. All the time.
1: I just they get into the age where they start to tell it. I was like, "Why you did? We was that was between us." Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I did something. with someone. I said, "Don't tell your mama. I'm gonna deny it." And He told her, and I said, "What? You must have dreamed that." Oh, come on, Dad. No, I. I don't know what you're talking about. It was between us. <laughs> hey, let's let's take some calls. because uh, we 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 love our our this party we've got, and we're gonna go to a Hattiesburg and talk to Christy. Hi, Christy. Thank you for holding on.
3: Hey. How are
1: you? What's up?
4: Uh, well, first off, about your, your decorating with items, uh, some of the people on my list are going to get container gardens
1: mm-hmm. with some
4: amaryllis, dusty miller, and uh few ivies and things in it, whatever looks pretty when I put them together. But yeah. I'm putting um, wild cherry branches for the silvery... Ab- height, wow. you know, so,
1: so many people don't realize you put a pot as a chunky thing, put a flower in there as another chunky thing. You need some stuff that sticks up and out and waves in the air. <laughs> and when you get spray paint of silver?
4: Uh, they look pretty as they are. Because so, <laughs> they got that beautiful silvery color. Too. Oh, yeah.
1: Cool, cool, cool.
4: Well, what's up? Um, I have a question. And When I first bought my house, I had this big, beautiful maple tree out in the front yard. Mm-hmm. And uh, it started to struggle. It started to die. Eventually, we had to cut it down. And around the stump in the front yard, I planted some natives, some shrubs, made a little bed around the dying, you know, the old dead stump. Right. And I planted a uh Oh, a, a what? A
1: you what know, berry? Text, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Taste, yeah, uh, like chase tree. Text. Right,
4: right. Um, but now I see that it's. Struggling just like the maple tree did, and I'm wondering was it something like a fungus or something maybe in the maple? Should I give up and just go with just the flower bed for a while? Uh,
1: you know, it, it, else? it's not likely to be a fungus that's specific to maples. If it's anything, there are some root rot diseases that affect a lot of different kind of plants that are in the soil. And that the maple roots are still out there. They're dead. They're long gone. But they've decayed and they're, you know, mm-hmm. in fungus. So it could be a root rot fungus. But usually that's not a problem on plants that are healthy. Now, if this is an area that's low and wet then the plant's going to get root damage in the wintertime. Or if it's really, really dry in the summer, they get root damage. So, you know, vitex will grow in a cemetery in El Paso, Texas. I've (laughs) seen them. Uh, It's a plant that doesn't need a bunch of water. So usually root problems are from a plant that's staying too wet part of the year. Okay. But also vitexes are not considered long-lived. I mean, they they live a long time. But, Rick, you know, we don't see any old, old, old vitex trees. And uh, luckily, you can cut them back every now and then and start them back over again. Okay. So the main thing is hope you know if it's low and wet, you're going to need to switch over to something else, raised beds. But cause vitex won't take that, neither will maple.
4: Okay. All right. Thank you.
1: Just some general general thrusts of thought there. <laughs> okay. Good, Thank you. Good luck. And now let's go to uh, to talk to Jerry, who's in my neighborhood, Fondren. Hey, Jerry.
3: Hey Felder, what's up? Congratulations on your granddaughter.
1: Thank you, thank you, little AJ, little Peanut.
3: Yeah, I called to find out: is it too late to plant wildflower seeds this year?
1: N- normally, yes, but n- no, it's not. You know, a lot of wildflower seeds don't sprout. But here's the problem: if they sprout, and then we have a sudden cold snap, and they're that little tender, exposed seedling a- stage, then they're 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 susceptible. In that little stage, So if you plant them and they come up pretty quick and get settled down, then they'll do fine. It's just going to be a gamble.
3: Okay. Well, Johanna had asked me to call and ask you.
1: Yeah. Uh, But one thing you can do is, have you got the wildflower seeds already?
3: Yes, she does.
1: Okay. Uh, Have her uh, mix in uh, some mustard seeds. Or some, you know, some some you know, uh, some kale seed things like that. They'll come up in there along there with it. And if the wildflowers die, you still got something you can eat. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck on it, man. Okay.
3: Oh, you were talking about sweet gumballs? Yeah. When we were kids, my mother used to have us wrap them in aluminum foil.
1: Oh, cheesy, cheesy, love it.
3: And put them on the tree.
1: And, okay. uh, and and you wrap them up so tight that the little. Uh, Oh, did you wrap them where they were round or did you have the little the little pokey things sticking out through the tinfoil
3: yes yeah, where they stick out
1: there you go mama mama knew how to keep a a, a boy out of the street okay <laughs> appreciate well, have a good christmas thank you and uh, Rick while we were um while he since he was missing that my edible plant you know we've been talking about wild native stuff the the pine cones and the sweet gum balls and all that kind of stuff uh but edible things i like to have gardens that look good in the winter time i do too and, you know kale a lot of people think of the th- this is that la sonata the blue kale and it is uh, it looks blue mm-hmm. and then we've got the purple kale i've got the frilly kale ornamental cabbage these are about as colorful plants as you can have in a garden and they grow over the dead of winter
2: Oh, yeah. I love them in my yard. I've got them in pots. Yeah. Every, I must have 75 <laughs> pots in my but, yard. You know,
1: pansies are nice. Violas are nice. Uh, snapdragons are nice. But these colorful kale things, when it comes to landscaping for, for winter interest, you mentioned that, I mean, you've really g- gotten on to plants with yellow foliage and red foliage and yes. variegated stuff.
2: Well, they're come out with so many wonderful variegated plants, mm-hmm. and these are things like anise, you know, that's bright yellow, mm-hmm. and then the hollies, now they've come out with a holly that's yellow. Uh,
1: the uh, abelia, plain old-fashioned abelia, comes in all sorts of white variegations, oh, and, and, and some that have pink, pinkish tinge, mm-hmm. and these are just sturdy, old-fashioned plants that happen to have interesting winter color. And they've developed them now where they're more compact, too. Yeah, yeah, don't need as much pruning or any pruning at all. Uh, One of the things, you know, I spent a a, a lot of time in England in the wintertime. Their botanic gardens, the Royal Botanic Gardens, you and Mm I have been to several Mm -hmm. of them, as good as they look in the summertime, they have areas that are designed specifically to shine at the best in December, January, February. With folies, winter blooming plants like hellebores, and uh, you know we have mahonia, a good old fashioned sturdy, dependable oh, yeah. plant. And right now, mine have got yellow flowers coming out on it. So they design gardens to look at their best in the winter, because mm-hmm. summer and spring is easy. And um, I walk around the neighborhood and I see a lot of azaleas that look like big green meatballs. Yeah, and I'm thinking, wouldn't it be cool to put a variegated fatsia? Plain old-fashioned fascia with white variegation for a splash of color.
2: That's interesting. I'm doing a house now that's being remodeled. Uh-huh. And it's actually in my neighborhood, and it's just Azalea's everywhere. And They were beautiful at one time, but they've gotten so trimmed for so many years, and they're leggy, and there's Asiatic jasmine coming up in them, and I've just... Just worried and worried and worried, and finally I said, I'm just getting rid of everything. Start over.
1: Okay, now, they don't necessarily want to have a lot, yard like yours or mine. No,
2: this is <laughs> – And it, it's interesting because the house is called Tuscan style. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like,
1: well, I don't think
2: they had Isaiah's in Tuscan. <laughs> no,
1: no. No, but, but, but one of the things that you're the king of is mixing up shapes, you know, spiky things or roundy things yes. or pretty things. Textures, you know, big leaves and little fine leaves. When you see Asiatic jasmine right by Holly and they have the same shape leaf.
2: They just go,
1: just look like weeds. Yep. So uh so just make, and you can do that at a garden center. Pull different plants. You can arrange them on the ground and see how they're gonna look there and just mix stuff up like you would uh food on a buffet. Well,
2: table. I think this is one reason I love English style and that's my house is English and I'll just that's my favorite is because it's real busy and it's mixed, but it's mixed in very carefully with colors and textures, not just for all year, for all year. Yes.
1: Yeah. A lot of people have a hard time with the, the word texture. So we're thinking magnolia leaf versus holly leaf. Same, same shape, but right. different. You know, some just look shiny and some are dull, but but spiky, roundy, frilly, you know, big, tall, low growing, flat, those kind of things. You mix them together. Mix them
2: together. And I was looking at a book on English design yesterday,
1: trying to come up
2: with some ideas. And it's just all those shapes and forms.
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to have to start picking up all of our stuff because we got some other folks coming in okay. right away. And she's going she gonna to swoop in and say, Oh, look at all this stuff. But it's great. And I've got <laughs> gourds and seeds and, and leaves. And you've got paint and cheap paint. You say the, the little uh, sample paints from oh, the yeah. stores. And a Magnolia's just spray-painted red. It's great. Happy holiday, man. Same to you. Okay. <laughs> folks, it's been me and Rick Griffin and Java and all the other folks here at MPB. we just talking about stuff. And you, all, some of these sound good. I think I hear sleigh bells. Anyway, folks, we're going to take a break, come back in a week, talk about more gardening stuff with your calls. During the week, if you've got questions, shoot me an email. Meanwhile... Have a good time, relax, mix stuff up. Don't be afraid to spray paint some things and hang them for you from your front door. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We enjoy bringing seasonal things, important things, local things to you. If there's things that I can help you with that you can help us share with, give us a call. Uh, again, if you have a kid, get them a, some glue, get them some spray paint and Tell them, show them how to get dirty.
3: Get them some pecans.